is up, everybody. Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Maybe you're listening to this later on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your fine podcasts. It's all good. We love having you here. And we love the guests that we are going to have on tonight as well. We'll bring them in in a second. But before we do, why don't we get to a comment? A comment Ooh. from one of you, the listeners. Why don't we kick it off with that? Ooh, so, all right. uh, we've been asking folks to leave a comment, leave a rating, five stars, if you will, as well as a suggestion of a book Only for us to review. Believe it, you know we don't yeah, want you to lie for us. You know we don't mean? want you to lie. But yeah. I'll tell you what: if I mean, you leave us, if you leave us a one star rating, you're like, "Hey, can you review this book?" I don't think we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice. I'm to be just honest being honest, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's not mislead. You be honest. Yeah. We'll be honest. Yeah, exactly. That's it's how this better, works. It's a better way to live. Yes. But we have been getting uh, one of the great things about the comments is people have been leaving recommendations of books, either new books we might have missed or older books we might not have reviewed. And we've been hitting them on our stack podcast. So I'm going to read this comment here. This is from Chris, es- Chris Espinet. Not wow, Chris okay. Espinet. Recently started listening to the show during work, and I've been hooked since day one. The banter is hilarious, and that doesn't stop the host from offering a lot of insight into a wide variety of books, which have even made me change my outlook on some books that I haven't liked in the past. That's huge. Wow, that's I'm not sure if this book has been reviewed before, but I would love to hear your opinions on Silver Surfer Requiem by JMS. I knew very little about Silver Surfer prior to reading this. But the art and the writing were fantastic and really resonated with me and made me fall in love with the character in just four issues. Yeah. Chris, great recommendation. You've got it. We're going to talk about Thanks, that. Chris? The stack Chris, podcast. As I like Chris. to call you. <laughs> uh, good old, I, I, like a nice, I like a nice crisp espinette, you know? You know what just I mean? Just like it goes down smooth. There's espinettes and then there's crisp espinettes, mm. you know what I mean? And Delicioso. It's so, so we're going to talk about nice that on the stack podcast that drops in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated stack feed. Wednesdays at 9 a.m., so check that out along with our regular reviews. And folks, why don't we... Bring in our first guest here Woo-hoo. this evening into the stream. He is the writer of The Ward from Dark Horse Comics. The first issue is already out, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Kevin Scott, hello. Welcome. It's good to be here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so if people can't tell from your accent, you're actually over in the UK, popping on past midnight at this point. So thank wow. you for coming on. Tonight. I know. I'll we be turning into a pumpkin in a minute. <laughs> in a minute uh, but I am very excited to chat about the ward. We talked yeah. about this on our Stack podcast. Really mm-hmm. enjoyed the book a lot. And one I'll of the things that I think is so great about it, which we were talking about during the review, is it's such a smart, clear pitch of an idea that you can't believe somebody hasn't done it before. Uh, where where did this idea come from? What's what, one of those things that kind of like popped to you of the pitch line and then you figured it out after that? Or where did it start? I think it came from my wife loves ER. I mean, loves mm. ER. I think loves ER a bit more than she loves me. <laughs> and, um, and then from that has evolved into various other shows. Um, and one of those was Code Black. And I don't know if anyone watched Code Black. Mm-hmm. It only lasts a few series. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one that brought me in as well. I, I sort of was dragged in. I used to watch them with her. And I mean, it's those kind of procedural shows when you don't have to watch them all. You know, you could just dip in and watch um the odd episode but with code black i watched every single one and then i realized it was a doc it was based 
done a documentary about a real hospital that dealt with with um, with emergency rooms in that way of actually doing the surgery and everything actually in the emergency room with no booths or anything just there. Um, and um, the documentary is phenomenal. And I suggest anyone who who likes the ward and also anyone who, who likes medical dramas to go and find it. It's amazing. But then my head being what it was, um, I loved it and then thought, well, this will probably be better with monsters. <laughs> um, and because I think everything would be better, better with monsters, to be honest. Wow. Um, and that was it. That was the beginning of the ward. And, and so I started putting together, I mean, it had a quite a long gestation period. Um, and so talked to a couple of publishers talked to a couple of editors um and and dark horse were became our home um and it went from there well it's a it's a great home uh i what's really nice is there's no wasted panels with this idea of monsters right there's all these really cool unique uh characters that really make you as a comic fan want to kind of really look at all the details because a lot of times in comics you got kind of wasted background characters but with this not the case you want to kind of see everybody's job and what kind of monster does what and it's such a kind of it brings a fresh take on something we've seen a bunch i was just wondering how were you very specific or did you let the kind of artist go crazy with that it's a bit of both i mean andre is amazing and and great yeah i I'm, I'm I'm a real folklore geek, and and so I, every every time I go on holiday, I buy books of like local myths, legends, ghost stories, and and creatures and monsters. And so I've sort of got this catalogue, which I now can say is research. I've been saying it's research <laughs> for pretty much the last forty odd years. But you know, and it, it's I, I do put lots of suggestions in. But the great thing about Andre, he's just taken with it and run with it. And one of the things I said right at the beginning. Now the other thing I'm probably known best for these. Days in comics and books is working on Star Wars and what I love about Star Wars is the backgrounds you know the fact Mm -hmm. you get all those characters that you know will end up in a visual dictionary and you will know will end up in a short story somewhere and before you know it there's a movie or spin-off series on Disney Plus Mm -hmm. and I said with the wall (laughs) we want a similar thing we want there to be all these characters in in the background so it feels like a busy vibrant place of work um, for supernatural patients and doctors um but you want to know about their stories as well um and so obviously the main thrust of the book is dealing with our, our just like something like er or code black or, or Grays, um dealing with the the doctor the team of doctors who have to deal with these amazing amazing problems every day um so we tell their story but there's always these creatures in the background and it was just fun to try and think of if you have a medical situation in the real world what would be the most extreme version in the in the supernatural world and actually we find that out in issue two part of it because my first pitch was well imagine these doctors in a sewer having to help a giant give birth um and that's what we see in issue two Mm. well given that you are fleshing out the world so exponentially Mm. and it seems to be a point you're really excited about at the same time you do have it very focused on this one main character so Mm. how, how do you strike the balance there between those two things well you have to I mean, story, you know, it's, it's a cliche because it works. Stories are characters. And if it wasn't for 
a character that you want to go along with, the, this kind of comic, well, any kind of comic would never work. You know, you can have as much cool shit as you want, but you need to care about the people to take you through to the next issue. And hopefully that's got what we've got with Nat, who's our, our protagonist, our, our, our lead character. She used to be a... Um, a doctor at this hospital at St. Lilith's. Um, but for some reason that we'll find out maybe in a future issue, um, she left um, and and had a traumatic experience there and left and sort of started a new life. But that old life isn't quite ready to let her go. And she gets dragged back into the hospital um, to help someone. And through now again we meet all these other characters people that she knew in the past her friends when she was there um there's a nurse who can literally split herself to stretch herself incredibly thin um because they have no staff so that the, the one mm-hmm. of the nurses has to literally duplicate herself to get around to everyone um you get the doctor who's a, a japanese phantom faceless japanese phantom who obviously has some issues with that walking back in and then you get new characters who are like the new young firebrands uh, of the hospital who are going who's this woman um and so these are the people that hopefully are going to get people to come back um you know month after month um and hopefully beyond this run if we can if we can uh, uh, make a hit of this um because you know they are real people and even though some of them have amazing powers um that's what I think will keep people from coming back in a book like this, because no matter how you know amazing the magic is, you have to care about the people who are, who are casting it, or in this case, curing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just, uh, it does such a great job for a first issue of getting excited to get more into this world. And, oh, uh, and I, I, yeah, and I just, I was really just kind of like enjoying uh, you know, before the interview, rereading it to just kind of like be like, oh, my God, like, what is that guy's deal? And I wonder, like, uh, like of those kind of monsters and stuff, what are some kind of your favorite stories that kind of got you into this world and got you kind of excited about this stuff? Well, I think it's, it's really difficult to say without obviously giving massive spoilers. Yeah, but, I don't, um, yeah, yeah. Please don't. We don't want to get you in trouble here. We're no, just no, but to, no, but it's. I it's do. The, I actually want to get you in trouble. Yeah, you I'm want just, me to go? Just, thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Sorry. That's good. Good to know. It's late, and I might slip up. Um, <laughs> and this isn't like Star Wars or working for DC because the only person who's going to get annoyed is me. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but I'm still not going to tell you. Um, but I, I mean, it again. It's 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 an urban fantasy book and it's at its heart. And so it's taking those tropes that you see in different things and, and working out, you know, how that would work for these creatures. So one of the characters, again, that was in my original pitch was, you know, it was some kind of line about the doctors have to de- deal with a dehorned minotaur. And so you start getting in, well, that's cool, but why have they lost their horn? Um, you know, and so in our story, the minotaur is part of a gang who's in a fight with another gang or maybe someone else um, gets his horn ripped out, um, ripped out at his core. And so then you start running that story, you know, and this, this, this minotaur we find out actually quite likes pain. We don't want to get too deep into that, but that's part of his psyche. So being a fae, being a fairy type, he is allergic to um to iron, so starts piercing himself with iron and oh, sort of wow. like dipping his his horns into iron. So he's in this constant pain and this constant fury. And that's the fun of these kind of books. Because again, what you try and do is even though these characters are are utterly, you know, um, supernatural and extraordinary. You want to give them really relatable, um, relatable feelings, and obviously, you know, try and work out why that that minotaur would perhaps be like that. Um, 
and and yeah and so it is trying to find the way and what i've really enjoyed with this book is finding the most outlandish characters and combining them with something that we would see every day if we were watching er you know so and and then trying to inject the you know the supernatural and the extraordinary back into that situation and we worked really hard and i worked with a, a friend of mine daniel jose older who i worked with in star wars high republic um who used to be used to be a paramedic so oh, he wow. was amazing yeah. because i used to go to him and say right in this situation <laughs> if you were dealing with a banshee what would you do <laughs> um and it's the kind of conversation that daniel loves to have and also our editor dave marshall at dark horse his wife is a doctor so i i had wow. i had research there on tap it was amazing so there'd be situations we were going through again we're dealing with like the, the birth of a giant baby that then has to be taken into hospital in a city when no one knows that these creatures really exist yeah. um you're obviously dealing with that situation but at the same time i had to, Dan, daniel and and our wonderful editor's wife um continually sort of going ah yeah but when you're dealing with resuscitating a baby no matter how big you are big they are you have to do this and so that's why you know that was the the fun of this is trying to ground it in the real world but also make it believable as a fantasy Mm. I mean, beyond all of that, though, not to get Mm -hmm. too technical about it, but you have Mm. all these elements that you're mentioning. And then at the same time, you're also doing a first issue. So you have this done in one mystery. You're setting up the world, all of these Mm -hmm. things. Plus, you need to set up an ongoing series and hook people at the same time, which you do without, again, spoiling it. You know, there is a little bit of a twist there at the end that seems to propel Mm. several stories potentially going forward. How do you balance all of those elements in a first issue like that? Does it just come down to gut feeling or is there something more technical than that? I mean, yeah, there is a lot. So actually when I pitched this, I pitched this as an ongoing originally. And so, you know, and it was at a point, I mean, to be honest, this is amazing. This book's with us because it, you know, I pitched it as an ongoing and then it said, well, we can give you four issues to start with and we'd see how it goes, but fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then the world ended for two years. And mm-hmm. so we had started to work on it. Um, and then basically it was to, it was complete pencils down. It was like, we had no oh. idea if this was going to happen. We didn't know um, if comics as we, you know, knew them would exist. And, and yeah. Dark Horse yeah. quite rightly said, look, this is a, a, a creator own launch. We don't know what it's going to do. We should probably pause and see where the, when the world lands <laughs> um and and at one point it was going to become a just a graphic novel and sort of pull it all together mm-hmm. and then if it, it, you know talk horse bless them right at the end said no, no, come on let's do it as we always meant to um but originally i, I think some of these storylines i did plan for to run as a as an ongoing so i i did have to while I didn't cram in you know, three years of stories in my head into four issues, mm-hmm. um, I did have to go, right, we're going to have to take the most important bits. Because as you say, you have to try and help people straight away. There's yeah. no point saving stuff. Um, if no one's going to be there. there. Yeah, exactly. Even if you're doing an ongoing, you don't want to do that. You can, you have the, you have the benefit of more issues, but at the same time, you still have to get people to read them. Um, and these are, you know, they're, they're dense issues um, because we have to get a lot in there and we have an artist in Andre who can completely handle it, which is a joy. Um, but the flip side of that, the great side of that is that there's a lot of content for people to read as well. These aren't quick reads because there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it now does come down to gut feeling, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it sounds a bit of a cop out, but I've been doing this for 20 years in various different <laughs> medium and so after a while you do just sort of get 
you get an idea of no that's where the cliffhanger comes and actually cliffhangers are incredibly important to me personally my storyteller i'm an, as anyone will know who I talk up for more than half an hour. I mentioned Doctor Who. So here it comes. <laughs> I was brought up on Doctor Who in the UK, and that was when Doctor Who was the twenty-five minute show on Saturday afternoon, and um, half, and always it ended on a major cliffhanger, you know, to get you to come back the next week and see how yeah. the Doctor would survive. Spoiler, he would, um, you know, get see how the Daleks would 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 fail. Spoiler, they would, but you kept <laughs> coming back. And sometimes the episodes were complete crap, but the Cliffhanger was always amazing. So right from early on, I um, Cliffhanger was sort of bred into me because of my love for that show. Um, and so now I work pretty much from the cliffhanger. So whenever I'm planning anything, and whether that's a novel, a, 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 a screenplay, because screenplays have many cliffhangers throughout, um, I do those cliffhangers first. So when I looked uh -huh. at the ward, I knew where the cliffhangers for the ongoing story needed to come um and i needed and i knew what those tent poles were um and where they needed to fall and then i sort of i could work out how many you know how much space i have to tell the as you say the story you know the one and done story of the week because i did want it to feel like one of those you know medical dramas where you have people coming in you have um you know a bit like house as well you have a mystery to solve Mm -hmm. um, and then you stay with the characters into the next issue. Now, some of our cases might go on more than one issue um, as the series goes on. But, you know, it is that sense you can pick up an issue. And I, I like that about comics still, when you can get a comic, when you can pick up an issue and go, I'm going to read this and not necessarily know new yeah. one came before. Because um, I think that's how all of us of a certain age got into comics in the first place. Mm -hmm. You didn't, you just picked up an issue of Spider-Man. You didn't, you yeah. hadn't necessarily picked up the one before, but you picked up that one. Um, and so um, it was quite interesting to, to, I don't think I've really had a challenge you know, like this to actually tell an ongoing story, but in, in a sort of sequential one and done format. Um, but yeah, it all came from those cliffhangers. They were the fo focal point. That's cool. great. I, I'm so impressed, really, because I also really love those done-in-one stories and the fact mm. that you had this big outline for so many years and managed to condense it, but it still kept that sense, particularly for the first issue. I haven't read the second issue yet, but that's great. I'm, I'm very yeah. impressed. That's awesome. I mean, I, I haven't put, I haven't literally squeezed three years. This arc ends, you know, where it probably sort of would have ended after a few more issues if it was an ongoing, but, um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a plan um, for, you know, if we do, if, if we do get more issues and we do take this story forward and I get the feeling that even if we, if it doesn't in this form, we will try and continue it in other ways. Um, yeah, we know where it's going. So this yeah. is definitely the first step of the way. Um, I did want to ask you before we, not to move on to something else, but since you mentioned mm -hmm. the Star Wars work, I've been reading a bunch of the High Republic stuff, which is awesome. Um, now that you. you are heading into the second phase of it, what has mm -hmm. the coordination been like behind the scenes? How has that developed? How has that changed? How's that, how has that grown between you and the other team members? Um, well, so the the biggest change, um, so for people who don't know, the High Republic is this big, 
five-year project that I've been involved in from from the off. Uh, it was five of us put together the original idea, put together the original plan, planned the five years of storytelling, including three phases. The first phase was just the five of us. Um, so Claudia Gray, Daniel Jose Older, Justina Ireland, Charles Soule and myself. Um, the second phase, we brought in new, new writers as well. So that has changed... Um, things they're actually writers that majority of us have known or worked together with in different ways um so we already have that there but the organization is very much pretty much what it's always been so we have regular meetings where it's, it's a writer's room that's exactly what it is you know we yeah. uh, we what the new guys have had from us is the overarching story arc mm -hmm. so um and we've not we've definitely not said to them you are writing these are the events you are writing. But again, just like I was saying with the cliffhangers, um, the way we did the High Republic as a whole was we had these sort of fixed points in time in the story that couldn't change, but how we got there could, could, could sort of meander a bit or, you know, and it can, meander's not the right word, you can tell it's late, um, but evolve, <laughs> you know, and, and develop because it was supposed to be a living story. So we always knew some of the, the characters would change as we were writing them because that's what happens with characters and we didn't want it to be so set in stone that we were had to have a we would then find ourselves in a situation where plot was happening to the characters we wanted the characters to affect the plot so there were these key elements that we knew we'd have to do but we didn't actually know exactly how we would get there mm. until we were writing it so it was a great combination of discovery writing and actual and, and outlining because you had to outline it because there were so many books and there's so many of us and yeah so um but yeah the, generally the communication is the same when we had a slack group um, for the original five in the first group we have a slack group for this one um we also have a little mini group in that which is the five of us still you know um acting as lucasfilm call us the story architects it just means that we just make stuff up um so you know <laughs> we're the five of us are supposed to be over the top you know over the entire story so um we we have our own little group as well but yeah I mean, again we're, we're all pretty much talking if not every day every other day you know there's a lot of communication wow. um and then obviously on top of that you get the artists and you get everyone else involved and the high republic has grown as well since mm -hmm. we started it because now there are other elements of the high republic as well so you know we're, we're having to keep a, an eye on that some of them we're involved in some of them we're not um and so um sometimes the things that are not you go thank heavens for that because i don't have to worry about that story that's <laughs> over there <laughs> But yeah, that's how it's working at the minute. I mean, that's one of the things that I really actually love about the High of the Republic and the way that it's laid out, because for those who don't know, though I imagine many people watching or listening to the show do, is that, like you were saying, it's books, it's comics, it's mm. graphic novels, it's all ages comic books, it's all over the place. So, you know, particularly as a lot of people look at the live action stuff, and some people really like it, some of it, some people don't like some of it, but they all say, oh man, it's stuck in the same era, it's always doing the same characters. You guys, you got Yoda, but other than that, like it's this whole fresh new world is this whole fresh new look at the Star Wars universe, which mm. I imagine is very exciting to deal with, but also scary to deal with in a certain way as well. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. And <laughs> what we what we've done to ourselves is so the, the way it's worked, we've had this first phase, which has introduced a lot of Jedi and a lot of characters <laughs> and has also exited quite a lot of those Jedi as well in the last few months. But um, we've sort of got to a, a sort of, again, a cliffhanger on that. And what we've done, instead of moving on a bit, we've decided to go back and we're telling a story that isn't, it's not 
a prequel. It's very much part of the story. Mm -hmm. But we are nipping. We're doing a very George Lucas thing. We've told a story. Now we're going back and then we'll go forward again. Um, oh, wow. and so so what we've done is we realized this. We, we spent many years creating these characters, introducing these characters, getting people to love these characters. And then we said, well, hold on to those and we're going to do it all over again. So we've just given ourselves exactly the same amount of work. Um, so, <laughs> so that in itself is scary because, again, we don't know how people are going to react. I mean, we were at Celebration, um, Celebration, and it was incredible and it was amazing. And 4,000 people turned up to a books and comics panel. I mean, it's just bonkers. Nice. Um, and there was a moment there when we realized, oh, God, this really does mean stuff to people. You know, this is important <laughs> to people. And and so now you go, are are they gonna come with us? Are they gonna, you know, mm -hmm. come back 150 years previously in the story? Um and as I said, it's not really a prequel, it's there, there is definite links, but it's still worth saying here are a load of new characters. And the moment I think we all realized it was okay, the logo went up for phase two, and the logo was blue instead of gold, and that got a massive ooh, and we thought. <laughs> Okay, we're probably all right here. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then every bit of concept art, because again, that's been the amazing thing about the project. Disney have just thrown concept art of it, which for comics we're used to designs. For books, you don't get all this. Um, and so every bit of art we were showing, um, it was getting a response there in the room. And the characters from my Marvel comic, um, the two characters we showed, Vildar and Matty, two, uh, Jedi and a Padawan, about an hour later, there was fan art on Twitter. Wow. And I was like, this is, insane. this is wow. insane. This is insane. Um and yeah, and it is amazing. And it's and what's that's what I've loved most about it is that people have become so creative through it. I mean that's you know, I'm a fan because I um, I'm a writer because I'm a fan. You know, of uh, I'm I have got into writing by writing fan fiction and fan comics, you know, back before they were called fan fiction and fan comics. You know, it was just sort of just stories about stuff um and i used to send them off to sort of like photocopied fanzines and things like that um yeah. and that's the community i've always loved because i've always loved those moments when people love something and they want to draw they want to write they want to make their own you know make their own videos and films and and again we've got all the stuff to do it now in our hands in our phones um and that's what we're seeing with High Republic is that people are loving these characters, but more importantly, they're creating around these characters. And I love that. That's exactly why we want to do this. Well, uh, speaking of the fan and you, you have an impressive <laughs> nerd wall behind you there. Uh, is yes. there anything you wanted to uh, kind of point out to us or show off? I mean, it's looks pretty awesome back there. <laughs> Pete is this always is very so... interested in the walls behind people. No, 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 I can understand. So yeah. um, from a comic point of view, the Silver Centurion, who's my Ooh. Iron Man still to this day. Oh, um, nice! Wow! So, I've just knocked off his repulses. There you go. Um, so the... I'm, I'm an 80s kid um, with, with, when it comes to comics. I was introduced by Marvel UK, really, to superheroes. Um, and the one that blew my mind was Secret Wars. And we had Secret Wars oh, Weekly wow. over here, which they reprinted Secret Wars. And it would be, you know, the first 10, because it, it was literally weekly, it would be like seven pages of Secret Wars. Then it would be, it was Alpha Flight. For there's an entire generation of fans over here who knew Alpha Flight long before they knew the Avengers. Wow. Um, and <laughs> and and it blew my mind that all these characters knew each other because, I, you know, I was only really sort of like, you, we had Marvel UK, which was great, but, you know, it was only what they published you could really get hold of. It was before comic shops had really taken hold over here. Then they went into Secret Wars 2 and they were so clever. So they were basically print, the issue of Secret Wars 2, 
and then they would print all the the Titan stories. But what they'd have to do is go back a few issues um, and print, you know, what had happened. So, um, so you'd suddenly get three weeks of three three weeks of Power Pack, and then you get you know three weeks of the New Mutants, and then and the Silver Centurion Iron Man, which of course was part of Silver um, of, of Secret Wars too, for some reason just took totally. Took, you know took my interest and I went ahead and that's why I went into comic stores to try and find out more about Iron Man so that's why he's there because it's always to remind me that's like nice love um, that thank my, you for my, my Captain Riker oh no you can't see him now my Commander Riker um, this is my 2020 figure oh uh, that's great wow I thought I'd, that, that just summed up 2020 to me. So, <laughs> nice um, for anybody who's so that, listening, that's, yeah. he's there. Um, oh what else have we got? Oh, we got this fella. So another action figure. Sorry, you've got me now. I can be talking about this round. <laughs> so <laughs> Star Wars again. Marvel um, were my in- intro into so many different things. Marvel UK and the weekly comics. I don't know how how I managed to spend so much money on them. I must have just you know sold drugs or something as a 10 year old i didn't that's a lie um anyway i, I just i we i think we all swapped them at school as well but you know star wars weekly was the other um, big one for us and that's before i saw a star wars film i read the marvel comics because oh, you know wow. so, so there was one character i met before i met luke skywalker and that was jackson the uh, great yeah. space bunny <laughs> so there oh, he is God. now Jackson was a character in the Marvel run briefly until George Lucas went no, um, and he's a smuggler who's not very good. He's a rival of Han Solo. He has a ship called the Rabbit's Foot. And when I was a kid, I honestly thought he was one of the most important Star Wars characters ever because he didn't know any better. <laughs> so when I saw Empire Strikes Back and he wasn't in it, I was so upset. Oh um, no! So. Fast forward to 2016, and I get my chance to write Star Wars for the first time. And the first thing I say to them after that first attempt is, can I do Jackson now? Um, and every time I talked to them, it was like, can I do Jackson now? And to shut me up, they gave me a chance in Star Wars Adventures to write an eight-page Jackson short backup strip. Um, and they went, that's your lot. It'll be fun. It's coming out Easter. They put the um, the news story out on April the 1st and everyone thought it was a joke. It was like, no, no, we really are bringing him back. The greatest thing happened is that kids read that comic and absolutely loved him. So now I think I've done for the last, well, since 2018, I think it was, um, I've done an annual Jackson event. So I've done annuals. He's been in my Vader's Castle Halloween series. I, I managed to write a short story in one of the um, certain point of view books which was um which was the empire strikes back one so i got him to i got to write him into empire strikes back so <laughs> just before when vader arrives for dinner and empire strikes back jackson's there asking lando for money um <laughs> Amazing. and then they produced an action figure and i was like you are kidding me this is not this is just insane so he's always up there as well so yeah oh, there I is so it. much and that everything is... up here th- there is a reason for it all there it's not just random random geek. i'm glad <laughs> that uh yeah. You know, they're there as reminders and they help you out. That's awesome. It's a, do you know what? And the thing about this fella is that he's just, he reminds me that it's fun. You know, it's got to be, because yeah. there are times when you, you work in this business and it's not always fun. Um, <laughs> but what you can't see is around here is I have, I have bits of art and everything. And there is, again, 
there are far too many Ewoks for a, great, a man who's made the Star Wars War. But again, it's that thing to, to remind me of the excitement I felt when I was 10 and I saw the Ewoks, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, we can have, stories can break your heart and they can, you know, and they can terrify you. But at the end of the day, they, they're, they're also sometimes just funny and they just make you go, that was really cool. Um, and so, that you know, I've got lots of things around me to remind myself that, A, it's great that my to-do list is the same as when I was 10. (laughs) And to be trying to get that into some of my, you know, my work, because I think that's what shows, you know, when you, when you love something and, and, and that's what people will get out of it at the other end. And so, yeah, all this stuff around me in my man cave is definitely to remind me um, (laughs) why I do this job. Um, and and also it's tax deductible, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> the important part. Yeah. Uh, I I know you're going to have to get to bed soon, mm. but we have a couple of quick, hopefully quick questions over on YouTube. Yeah. I wanted to hit you with. This is from Infinity. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. Let's say Infinity Comics. Not sure who wrote the High Republic, but here's a question for that person. That would be Catherine. Uh, who yeah. on earth thought it was a good idea to create a literal rock as a character? I'm genuinely genuinely curious. So that was um Claudia Gray. Um, so Geode, if you don't know, has become a sensation. We we didn't know if we were going to get one Geode cosplayer celebration. We we had three turn up at the panel. Um, nice. So Geode is a sentient rock, Vintian to be exact. To be exact, um, he. Lots of people got very excited um, about geode a lot of people have decided they hate geode a lot of people think geodes in everything (laughs) and every page i've never written geode um so but he is i love him because he's amazing comic relief because there is a rock that no one ever sees move um is a bit of a ladies man um is a bit of a philosopher um navigates a ship and does all kinds of things but does it in a way that no one in the room has noticed he's done it um and his nickname is geode and people have seemed to think that, you know, there's something deep and meaningful here. It's like, no, he is, he was comic relief. That's why he started. He's taken on a life of his own. Um, and again, it's that thing of like, Star Wars is better when it's weird. I mean, I think that's just something that everyone should remember. You know, we have a, this is my thing with Jackson. Why can we have a rabbit? We have a fish in charge of an entire fleet. Right, um, it's a trap. Who we all love. It's a trap, yeah. you know. They, um, you know, in, in the what's cartoon, and I uh, people might not like to mention this, there is a mountain that cries. And I think that's brilliant, <laughs> you know, because, again, these the, all these universes can be big enough for there to be nonsense and whimsy and things like that. And Geode, I think, is the is the greatest example of that because people... Are, there was a guy with a Geode tattoo on his arm. I mean, <laughs> seriously? A celebration. But it's amazing. And you know what? He's fun. And I think sometimes people need to remember that things are fun. Um, and that's Geo, is what Geo definitely is. But also, he's a big rock. So if he lands on you, you have to be a Sith Lord to get out from underneath that. There you go. Right. We got another one here. This is from Fantha Tracks TV. Would Kevin like to bring back any other Marvel Weekly Star Wars characters? Crimson Jack, Lumia, The Darker, Rick Duel, etc. Yes, all of them. Um, basically... <laughs> Um, Matt Martin at Story Group has, has worked out that I have a book of things that I'm trying to re-canonize. So that includes the entire Ewok movies in various points. I'm not doing it all at once. I'm not talking about remaking Caravan of Courage, but I'm just talking about eventually will have mentioned all of the things in it somewhere else. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Crimson Jack is one I'd love to bring back. Um, they got 
Valance came back already, and that really annoyed me because that's the one I really, really, really wanted to bring back. The Hoojibs I've brought back already. That was second on my list. Um, but yeah, the darker I would love because I've because I've brought the Hoojibs back, and if there's people out there going, "What are you talking about?" But um, you know, <laughs> if, if you bring back the Hoojibs, eventually you have to bring back the darker. So yeah, the, um, basically, yeah, or everything and all of it. I mean, I'd bring back all all of Legends like that in a flash and find a way of doing it if I could. Um, and they know that, and they watch out for me at all times. They, <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's one of the things that modern Star Wars stuff has been doing really well. We talk a lot about Charles Soule's Darth Vader book in particular, mm-hmm. where he used the prequels in a great way and like the imagery of the prequels in a great way to bring it back and I think like you're talking about with Jackson you know like you're talking about with Geode all of these characters they mean something to somebody and they're going to mean something down the line as well so it's all canon it's all good like you're saying and the great thing about again this comes back to what we were talking about the ward earlier on and then those background characters there are so many characters in Star Wars I mean we've created a couple of trilling it seems in the high republic but already there were you know it's a very big galaxy with a lot of people and what i always think and i don't and i know people don't always want to hear this is just just because you don't like that bit of star wars that's all right you don't have to you haven't got to like every everything so i'm i'm fully believe that star wars is for everyone as the catchphrase goes but not every part of star wars is for everyone mm-hmm. you know and there, there's elements of star wars that i don't like there's elements of star wars i love far too much um, but <laughs> but the universe is big enough for all of us to like what we like um and you know and this goes it's not just star wars people talk about star wars fandom and trust me someone who's written for various different fandoms it's the same everywhere. Um, and usually it's exactly the same answer. Like what you like. If you don't like that, fair enough. Move on. You can love what something else because someone else is going to adore that. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that, but that's why I love Star Wars because it is big enough for everyone to find something that they love. Um, and all of those stories still exist, you know, in various different forms. And so you can go and find those and relive them as many times as you want. Yeah. Or there are other alternate fantasy worlds out there like the ward that people should check out. Exactly. which is also great. Nicely and done. The, I like that. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, always good when you do a transition that you talk about the transition, I yeah. think. So <laughs> sit, sit in this moment. Um, yeah, yeah. But the first issue is out. The second issue is coming out July 8th, I want to say. Something mm-hmm. like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Awesome. It's so good. Kevin, we're not going to keep you up any longer. Thank you so much thank for you. doing the show so late. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate it. it. Thanks for talking yeah, with us. Thank you, guys. Night. All right. Take, take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, man. All right. Once again, that's Kevin Scott. The book is called The Board from Dark. Oh, Wars you got to check it Definitely out. Definitely check so it great. out. Uh, and I'm going to bring a special dude into the stream now special who has dude? a little message for Pete LePage. Take it away. Hey, Pete. Just wanted to say, uh, suck it on a cheesesteak. Uh, <laughs> for the Justin Tyler cameo. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, Justin. How are you? Uh, how was our interview? Did we do it okay without you? It was great. It was great to really watch you guys work. Um, uh, from a standpoint as uh, an insider outsider really well now that you've seen our interview technique we can check out your interview technique with our next guest here that oh you guys are taking a break on this one yeah Yeah, we're just gonna sit back and we're gonna bring out our next guest here his name is kyler merrill and he has a book called fletcher cross it was on kickstarter right now hello how you doing 
Wait, Good. who said, oh, you were a little delayed. Yes. Uh-oh. Hello. There you go. No, that's fine. Okay. You're doing great. Uh, okay. Kyler, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Thanks for talking about the book. Now you have a bunch of days left to go on your Kickstarter. I'm actually going to refresh this here. You got a $2,500 goal. And as of this telling, taking too long to load up, it's about uh, 1,700, 1,600, 1,700 yeah. of the way there. Uh, so you're getting pretty close with six days to mm-hmm. go. But... Talk to us about Fletcher Cross. Why bring this back? What called to you about this property in particular? Well, um, I guess I'll start with kind of the origin of the book. And it, it started in 2020. Um, I, I, I wanted to do an, I did an anthology called Pandemics and Panels. And it was just a, it was back when I thought COVID was going to last like two months. And I was like, oh, look, I'll do <laughs> nice. an anthology. Other people have done it. And I made one and it's great. We donated the proceeds. We only made like a hundred, couple hundred bucks, but donated it all to save the children. And so I was like, I want to do another one. And so I um, knew I wanted to do something kind of homage to the golden age of comics. Um, kind of like before in your last interview, you were talking about um, one and done comics. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and so, but I wanted it to be an anthology that also was a complete story while simultaneously being one and one, one and done. And so I messaged my friend, Derek Crow. I said, hey, do you want to do this? Um, he said, yeah, um, just because I knew I couldn't handle doing it on my own. Um, and so he came in. We talked about it. We decided we wanted to do this story that is um, it's called Fletcher Cross. He's a self-centered engineer working at Day Industries, and he decides to test the, 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 the dimensionalizer before it's officially approved. And uh, the classic, you know, you you feel the the pressure to do that. I know he, he, then, you but, really get it. Yeah, if you watch yeah. and you can find the whole first chapter and figure out how all that happens. But he's um kind of a dick. I'll just be honest. Uh, but <laughs> he tests the machine and it goes wrong, goes haywire, and sends him through the multiverse. He finds pirates, toddlers, Nazis, uh, lizard people, uh, detectives, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, we we did it in. In 2020, we finished, we went like, it took us probably eight months to make the whole book. We did the Kickstarter last August, weren't successful, but the book was done and we knew we had something that we think was, we think is good. And so we think is something that is expanding the anthology format and doing something new with it. And so we just knew we wanted to bring it back. And so, yeah, well, we have about a week left. Um, we, we end a week from today. Uh, that's Tuesday. Um, and then we're at 65%. So we're within sight, but yeah, it's definitely going to take a lot of, a lot of push from here, from here for the next, you know, six days. So, well, yeah. it's a, it's really a, a great idea and uh, looks a lot of fun. So I hope uh, we give you a little bit of boost and uh, you can make that goal because it would be great. Oh, he's going to get that comic book club boost. Don't worry. Oh, about it. Okay. Yeah. Good. The CBCB. Patented that. Um, this book reminds me. Uh, I don't know if this is a, an odd comparison, but um, a classic book called Zot. Um, you ever heard of that nope. or read that? Um, no that's idea. Uh, it's a, is it Scott McDonald? Is that his name? Is it uh, Scott McCloud who did Scott McCloud? Comics? Scott McCloud. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Scott, Scott McCloud. Um, it reminded me of that book, and uh, he's written uh, Understanding Comics, which is like a great yep. sort of breakdown of uh, the build out of comics. So uh, I feel like that's good good company to be in for my in my mind i mean definitely i'll i'll take any opportunity to be in company with scott mcleod so <laughs> <laughs> uh you mentioned this earlier but one of the things that i really enjoyed about this book is how you vary up the page lengths and the story lengths how 
how did you pace that exactly? How did you find the time to do like, all right, we're just going to do one pager here versus this is going to be a five pager, however long they're running? Well, when we we first reached out to writers um, and writers, we didn't do open submissions. We were very closed about it. We we only brought in people we we could count on and we knew we could depend on. And so um, we all we told them was between four and 10 pages. And mm -hmm. one of them needed a little bit more. So we gave her 12, which no big deal. But we just said any space you want to do in there. Most of them took that full ten, but like I wrote the for my, I wrote one that's six pages and one that's ten. But then or one's eight. But uh, you mentioned there's some one pagers, and those kind of started last year as um, they were kind of originally promotional. Um, mm -hmm. We were posting each one pager as like a this is a Fletcher Cross story told in one page. But we also knew we were going to throw them into the comic. We had and we've had a couple more that. The script was done for, but when the first one came around, we we didn't have the art done for it. But mm. now we've we've got them all in there, and so those were just in there as kind of, and there's some two pages as well. But those are also in there just to, um, you know, tie everything together and make sure there is a narrative all throughout. Because we, as we we put the book all together, and then we realized that oh, there's kind of some blanks, and so we added these scenes in the middle to, um, you know, kind of make sure there was more semblance of a narrative. I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I, I like a lot of the stuff in the book, but I almost uh, the one pagers are some of my favorite stuff. And part of the reason is because I feel like all of this multiverse stuff and by definition, it's going into these different places. You find, oop, here's a thing that's horribly wrong that makes this a terrible place to go. And then you leave or like in a what if mm -hmm. story in Marvel, same sort of thing. How horribly wrong could this scenario go? But the one pagers, I love the idea of going to the multiverse and just hanging for a second, you know, be like, yeah, oh, this is a nice universe and going there. I thought that was very cool. I, I appreciate that. I'm not really, I'm not good at doing one page comics, but um, I haven't been in the past, but for this, it kind of just clicked. Like the one that I'm the most proud of is um, I'm proud of two. I'm proud of the under the sea one, which is kind of what you're talking about with um, mm -hmm. kind of just being what if, and it's literally just a one pager. It's completely silent and he just lands underwater and he has to get back to the thing before he's eaten by a shark. Yeah. And so I like that one, but I also really like the one um, it's called, don't fuck with Nazis or fuck Nazis is what it's called. And uh, not don't <laughs> that, fuck, do fuck with yeah. Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I want to scratch that whole thing. <laughs> it's called fuck Nazis. Um, yeah. And it ends, I'm proud of it because it literally ends with a punchline. And cause he mm. gets back to where he decks him in the face and it's a, it's a punchline to the joke. Yeah, yeah, I, I nice. think it's, I'm proud I of it. it. It's it. not yeah, like, yeah. it's yeah. not like the best thing, but I, I'm proud of it. So, um, yeah. but yeah, they were definitely fun opportunities to kind of just tell random little things that I didn't have a full, me and Derek didn't have a full concept for, but mm -hmm. we knew that there was something interesting to tell there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Kickstarter. So if people pledge, they'll get the book, of course, what mm -hmm. else can potentially people look forward to? Um, we have a few other rewards. We have three sets, of, not three sets. We have three prints. We have one from um, one of the artists. They're all from different artists in the book. We have one from Sonia Kinsey. It's a, her story is called Hollow World. It has to do with lizard people and dinosaurs in the hollow earth. Um, and so there's, there's a print from that story. There's a print of the cover, which is actually a wraparound cover, um, which I think is really interesting. I haven't been promoting that part enough, but yeah, it's a really cool wraparound cover that I'm, I'm, I designed. And then we had one of the artists, Veronica Jones. Um, she did the artwork for that, but um, the other one is from Jack Van Tom. He um, is another writer artist in the book and it's, um, it's a square. I just really like how it is. It's on, looks like it's on newsprint. It's really interesting. But then other than that, we have um, we have a retailer package, um, which is, you know, we're basically selling copies of the book at a retailer discount. Um, and 
We have some ad space on my podcast, Comics Unscripted. We have some editing services from myself and Derek Crow, who edited and curated the anthology. And he's also has several other mm. books to his name. Um, and then we have um, one more that is already taken. So I guess it doesn't matter. I can't remember. <laughs> can't get it anyway. Can't yeah, exactly. It. Awesome. Kyler, oh, uh, this is great. So again, you got six days if you want to pledge it. It's a great fun it. book and a really big package. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Have a great night and good yeah. luck. My fingers are crossed for you. Yeah, it's Thanks. really great. Concept. Congrats, man. All right. Thank you. All right, Later. there we go. Once again, it was Kyler Merrill. The book is called Fletcher Cross. It's a 120-page comic anthology on Kickstarter Very right cool. now. And, and also, have... what's great yeah. is one of the options you get, like, you can get editing. So if you have a comic, you know, you want to help this comic out because then they could help you make your comic. I mean, that's You don't have to cool. do things that's... just because you're going to get something out of it, Pete. Just, like, do it out of the goodness of your own heart. Well, you know? there's that. But if mm-hmm. you've had a dream to yep. work on comics, this guy could help you edit your comic. I mean, that's what I nice. do on a daily basis is I just go around to Kickstarters and I give them thousands of bucks each. And I'm like, give me nothing. Don't even worry about it. Wow. Yeah. Just that's your job. At, your your day job, Alex, is mostly for um, what? Schwag, uh, mm-hmm. off brand flavors of Oreo. Um, what are some other forms of uh, <laughs> payment that you take? Those are the only uh, those are the only two forms. Uh, actually you know what i actually also accept this is interesting is your audience questions (laughs) and for audience questions all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question here on crowncast or in the comments over on youtube but before we get to that what you guys drinking pete what are you drinking over there you having some sort of kombucha i have uh, no Mm. idea what this is old salad Uh, dressing it's uh, it's something. Uh, Rosé de hibiscus. Oh my! Goodness. Is that alcohol or is, yeah, is that yeah, a perfume bottle you found <laughs> on the street? What's uh, what sucks is like, you. I went into a beer store and it's so fancy I can't tell <laughs> what. I what? just went to the guy. Who was like, I want a beer, and he was like, I can't help you. There's like all these fancy beers now, and everything's like hops what, and IPA. What year are you? Like, what year? I need something that's got alcohol in it. And he was like, they all do. And it was, it's a nightmare. I can't. <laughs> so in an entire anymore. beer store, which mind you probably had like cores, right? I you grabbed Rose de Hibiscus. I'm looking for the Coors Light. You can't walk up to a fucking snooty guy with a bow tie and go like, where's the Coors Light, you dickhead? Everything's 20 bucks and you got to get it individual fucking cans. And then they give you. The fucking 50 holder. bucks says the two employees at this beer store were like, watch what I can make this crotchety old man buy hibiscus. <laughs> He's going to walk out of here sipping. Yeah. You know what it probably was? You walked in and they saw you were already eating handfuls of potpourri and you're like, uh, this guy like uh, this This one. guy's got yeah. strong flavor. The problem is I walked in, they asked me for help and I was just kind of like, get away from me. Don't talk to me. I'm just walking into the store trying to get an assessment of stuff. And then I realized, oh, I do need help. But it was too late. You were in full free fall at that point uh, <laughs> and needed help immediately. Um, I'm just drinking in this country air. Just kidding. I'm drinking um, a long trail. I uh, got some long trail today. Great Vermont beer. The uh, VT IPA and then jumping over to the double bag. Which is, are you in the VT? Is that where you are right now? I'm not. I'm in upstate New York at my um, my mom's house where we would come in the summer. It's like a cabin in the woods, and uh, lovely. It looks, it looks just lovely out Amazing. there. 
They're very hard to get internet is why I was late for the show. So I am uh, currently on a hotspot at a picnic table. Uh, I'm drinking water. Why don't we get to some questions here? <laughs> uh, Alex, you're drinking COVID, whatever the COVID yes. in you is barfing into <laughs> the your COVID body. The COVID is awesome. uh, just loving this water, I got to tell you. Edward Doherty asks, considering the public's acceptance of very odd comic lore and concepts in live action media, what traditional idea, design, or feature from comic books do you think would be too much for general audiences? A Wolverine under six feet, maybe? <laughs> what so the, um, the, the question is what's something from comics that just wouldn't work in yeah the, would in, not in at all work and i think for uh, it it changes over time i think is part of the answer because i don't know we probably could have accepted it but they certainly felt at the dawn of comic book movies which i mean by like 2000 or so that oh gosh comic faithful costumes would be too much for people to handle and then yeah. we talk about this a lot on the Marvel podcast, but even going back to the beginning of the MCU, they're like, people can't deal with magic and gods. That's going to be a step too far for them. Obviously, we're way beyond all of those things, but what is something that would not work now? Uh, editor's notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for, for if they sure. have one of those in Thor, Love, and Thunder, I would not be surprised. That's hundred mm-hmm. percent true. Well, that's the thing is like, that's, those are, that's the future of Easter eggs is this stuff that you can't do. They're like, well, we can't really do it, but we can sneak it in as a little bit showing Howard the duck was, is like a dare at the end right. of uh, the original guardians. And it, it, it's not something we're following up on, but there it is. I mean, you know, in, uh, you know, in the Loki TV show, I just wanted a show where we're following around the crocodile Loki and uh, you know, not much has to happen. I'll still tune in. Uh, but uh, you know, we're not going to get any of that. Unfortunately. Yeah. That's uh, Jolene in the comments the to the question, but go ahead. <laughs> Jolene yeah. In the I, comments I, I, <laughs> what? You had to fit You had to finish that non-answer. Uh, the, well, nope. uh, <laughs> I was good. Jolene mentions retconning, which is something that I think doing like a crisis in sort of another format um, outside of, I guess, what they did on the CW, sort of. Right. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they did Crisis on Infinite Earths and retconned a bunch of stuff and changed a bunch of stuff on the CW shows. And nothing is out of balance. I think the only thing that really isn't a balance, I'd say, is like stylistic choices that don't make any sense right now, by which I mean like 70s psychedelic stuff or... Uh, things like that, you know, that wouldn't work now. Or honestly, like if you released X-Men now, the first X-Men movie, that wouldn't work in the same way. So, you know, the, I don't know, this is not a great answer, but like things change over time. And I think this is also a side to this answer, but I think a lot about how each of the Spider-Man movie series reflect Probably not just the director, but I'll call out the director, the comic books that they probably really glommed onto when they were a kid. Like Sam Raimi clearly read 60s Spider-Man, and so his series is 60s Spider-Man. And then, for better or for worse, you have, uh, what's his name, Dan Spiders, the guy who directed the Amazing Spider-Man yeah. series. Dan uh, Spiders? Uh, John Danny Webb? Spiders. Is Webb? Yeah. Whatever uh, Mark Webb. Mark Webb. Mark Webb. Yeah. Webb of? Danny Spiders is who I mean. Hey, anyway, Danny Spiders here. Let me hey, correct the feature hey, film. Hey, he God, clearly read 90s Spider-Man's comics in like early 2000s. And that's what he based it on. And John Watts is very like Ultimate Spider-Man, even though it's Peter Parker 
um, instead of uh, I have one more answer to this Johnny question, Watts. which I think is ref- is reflecting what you're saying, Alex. Is maybe the only thing that couldn't be translated to movies nowadays is ignoring most of the source material, like the original X Men. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah. thing that wouldn't work. For yeah, sure. but Justin, Certainly do you there. still think we're going to get little wings on the side of feet? Do you think that's going to happen? You know what I mean? Danny Spiders says we're going to get wings <laughs> on everybody's feet. And that's right. I do have a yo-yo in my hand. This is from Ben Border Collie. Late to the party here, but Master Chief finally had sex. Which fictional character do you hope loses their virginity next? To give a little bit of context here, this is back on the Halo TV show. Alex, Which, our man, Halo correspondent, I I'll tell you what, I love that stupid show. <laughs> but uh, of all the things they did, they basically they went from Master Chief, the character who is fully armored all the time in the video games, and you never really yeah. see his face, to first episode took off his uh, helmet, second episode took off his whole armor, third episode, I think it was the third episode, he was nude, and by the sixth episode, he was straight up having sex and lost his virginity. Clearly his virginity, because... There's been no other opportunities for him to have sex or reason for him to have sex before that. Very funny. Very hilarious. Had a great time watching it. Uh, what other characters, though, should lose their virginity? for the? First? Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. They basically, like, s- sat topless next to each other because they both had never had sex with anybody before and touched each other's scars and then woke up the next morning and then she teared her no- nail out of her finger because there was a bug in it or whatatever. It's very weird. What? It's a weird show. That sounds like a dream you had. Yeah, it <laughs> sure fun, does. Man. That's what most of the Halo TV show felt like. Yeah. Um, a character? I mean, who's not doing it these days? I mean, Oof. even Krakoa is out there, you know? I yeah, don't know, exactly. Like, but... I mean, it, Hump Island, it, you know. It's, uh, Fing, Fing Fang Foom is going to do that thing thing boom. Mm-hmm. What about Glob Herman? Has Glob Herman ever had sex? He feels like he has crushes on people, but he never gets to, you know, take it any yeah. further. I'd um, love to I see him get will. his bone on, by which I mean the bones that are floating in his uh, blob. That's, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Um, great. Thanks for Cypher, Cypher shouted out in the comments. Oh, Cypher is married. There was a whole arc about Cypher having sex. I, I did he have sex? I think he just yeah, he did. He was talking okay. about how worn out he was, and so was she. Wow, he I knows the languages of love. <laughs> uh, we got a question here you from YouTube. This is from Nelson Martinez. One of my fave TV crossovers is when Sabrina comes to Riverdale. Which of the ladies of Riverdale do you guys expect will be the best witch in the next episode? Love the podcast, by the way. Thanks, Nelson. I mean, the easy answer is Cheryl. Cheryl. But I'm going to throw out an answer that I think could easily be true. Veronica. No, you got to say Betty after after Cheryl. Come on. No. Veronica is get shit done. And even if it's spellcasting. She's the she-wolf of Wall Street. But that doesn't mean Real quick, because Riverdale is nonsense to anybody who doesn't watch Riverdale. Though I'm about to say some nonsense. At the end of the last episode of Riverdale, half of everybody in town died and so they're going to bring in Sabrina to resurrect them, and she is going to train the surviving people, which are uh, not coincidentally all the ladies, uh, into being a bunch of witches. I'll throw out Tabitha. I mean, I honestly think Betty probably, but I'll throw out Tabitha. Just really? Put I'm there. hoping Sabrina does like a Thanos snap and brings them all back. I think 
did we talk about this on the podcast? I can't remember. I think Sabrina is going to help them bring us back, but it's going to lead into Afterlife with Archie next season. You think they're going to do Afterlife with Archie in the final season? I legitimately season? think they're going to do Afterlife with Archie in the final season. I mean, that's it does. Insane. The building blocks are there, but I think that's a wild that is It just, would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely would put all of us to yeah. shame after all this, like, ooh, what's Endgame? Who's going to kiss? And it's like, oh, we're going to have a zombie movie, you idiots. <laughs> uh, Jillian says, it's either that or Jughead time traveling. You clearly haven't watched Riverdale because why it's either that or... Yeah, you can always do more. Absolutely. Jughead has to travel back in time to stop the zombie apocalypse. That's your plot right there. Start it and then stop it. That's his whole thing. Um, okay, we got one last one. It's been like two years now. How Philly is Pete? Is it water ice or Italian ice? Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, water ice. Philly is uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I love ice. the shaved ice, man. It's fucking, uh, it's nice. No, it's not there. Uh, shaved nice ice, you call it. Uh, I'm sorry, Jolene, if uh, I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not as. Wow. Uh, You're getting some all capped yeah, energy from Jolene yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> Pete, let me throw it to you and the rest of Philadelphia. Have you guys ever tried ice cream? Oh, Just sure. Instead of shaved ice, because um, it's way better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, you know. I, I got a lot of love for whatever kind of uh, different uh, things you want to call it. I'm all in. I love a slushy. I love, uh, you know, whatever, you know, as long as there's some kind of syrup that, uh, you know, snow cone suicide uh, style was my, my go-to as a kid. You know, I used to work the scoreboards at baseball games just so I could get a suicide cone. You know what I mean? This and, is another uh, side of Pete's life we've never heard of or explored. I used to work the signs at the baseball games. That's so right. Get suicide slushies. Amazing. Yeah, you got to have some kid out there working the scoreboard. You know what I mean? Um, today, um, so I'm up at my mom's, and she was like, "I or yesterday when we were coming up here, she was like, hey, um, I found two boxes of comics. Should I just throw them away? I was like, what oh. are you crazy? No, I never do that. And so I have them right here next to me. Just gonna pull randomly from uh, some of these things. These are oh, good. what is that? X Men Twenty. These are good issues. Yeah, we got X Men. Oh, that's a rebooted nineties X Men Twenty. It's not like yeah, yeah. uncanny okay. X Men Twenty. Okay. No, I've got all of X Men Twenty Ninety Nine from the Jump, uh, mm. which I'm definitely gonna get into and read. Another weird series. I don't know. This is like my full XW box that I just haven't had a handle on. But I would I would like to try to come back a little bit as far as the Philly is concerned. The soft pretzel scene is something that's blown my mind. Uh, you get soft pretzels everywhere, and uh, the the shadier the place, the better the soft pretzel is. And uh, should I be talking sorry. about a third thing? Would that help if we have three different conversations? Going yeah, going at once. Soft pretzel scene. Yeah. What is that? Uh, what is that about? Oh, oh I have wow. that one. holographic I have that card. One. I have that one. Love it. Uh, Spider-Man 26, part of the 30th anniversary holograph card. Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, I we don't have for this that uh, visual, the holog- visual the show hologram. on the podcast. Uh, but we got Stormwatch 1 right here. This is a was a waste of money, though, right? 
I'm going to be digging uh, through these. All right. All... Before we go too long on this, I think that is it for your audience questions. Woo-hoo. And folks, uh, I didn't run this by you beforehand, but in lieu of trivia, Pete, how do you feel about a little donation-y poo instead this week? Is that all right oh, with you? That's, yeah, that's fine with me. I did do trivia, though. I just want to put that out there. Oh, okay. Should Justin and I do trivia for... Uh, abortion care what do you think about sure that? sure i mean unless you just for time wise if you you were talking about you know moving on no man i got all the time in the world okay let's hit this here we go uh for some trivia uh and this is going to be for the national network of abortion funds there's a link i'm going to read it out loud but i'll try to tweet it out through at comic book live on twitter later secure.actblue.com slash donate slash support abortion funds. And what this link does is it splits your donation among 92 local abortion clinics that need your help right now. Uh, But the great thing about it is not only are they doing the abortions locally and the healthcare, but they're also providing funding, travel and lodging and other wraparound supports uh, for those who need it. So that is very well needed right now. And we're going to, we're going to play a little trivia. I think we're going to do this for some money to support these abortion funds. So take it away, Pete. All right, great. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, Philip Baker Hall. Rest in peace. Please listen to all three options before you make your selection. Here we go, gents. Question number one. Guess who is coming to the Spider-Verse? Is it A, your mom, B, (laughs) Spider-Rex, or is it C, Joan Cusack? Wow. So it's either B, because that's the only one that's a real option. C, real viable. C, viable option. Yeah, I don't know. My mom did tell me she was thinking about taking a trip recently. But to my, mom, my mom was, was out at a bar with Danny Spiders. So <laughs> oh, I feel like... I'm going to go call your mom, mom. make sure she's okay. Your mom. Not my mom. You, but your Justin, you should reach out to your mom. I, gotta, I don't like, know you if got she's Danny Spiders okay. hanging around? You <laughs> yeah, if your mom's out with Danny Spiders. I'm going to say B. B? Yep. Let's go with B. Good call. All right, here we go. Question number two. Image's new book, Flawed, is said to be Image's nail-biter meets blank. Is it A, Chew Bill, B, Kill Bill, or C, Watch Bill make a sandwich and talk it out? So it's either <laughs> A, which doesn't make sense, or you could say B. Man, your references are uh, throwing me for a loop this evening, Pete. Yep. I love them. I love yeah. trivia is evolving, Alex, and you need to get on board because yeah, Pete could say literally anything. We turned this over to him years ago. We never <laughs> knew I was, what shape it was going to take. Right. I'm going to say B again. What do you think, Justin? I think we should go with B. Strong B energy. There we go. Nice. All right. Here we go. Last one. Out in July, Batman the White Knight presents. What new take on a Batman villain will it be? Is it going to be A, Red Hood, B, Penguin, or C, Jeremy Piven? So it's either A, so we can give uh, money to charity, or you could be uh, completely wrong. Mm. Wow, Jeremy Piven does strike me yeah, as he's pretty bad. potential Batman villain. Yeah. He, he's full of mercury, right? Which is, like, kind of scary. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Is, 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 is there mercury in cocaine? 
<laughs> that's a dusty reference to the time that he got mercury poisoning from eating too much sushi, which happened, I don't know, 15 years ago. Wow. You're, why yeah. are you all in Jeremy Piffin's business, man? He had to and leave some he, Broadway he play. Ate much, he ate too much sushi that was rolled in cocaine. So <laughs> uh, Let's go with hay. Yeah, let's say hay. Yeah, Red Hood. Check all it out. Right. There we go. And was there a secret reference? Look at, look at, just real mm-hmm. quick, look at Kevin's comment in the, and we'll read it aloud for everybody listening. He says, I know it, but I'm not going to say anything. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I know what it is. It's Fidelis Sky. Oh, that's nice. Yes. All right. As we all know, new comics are cool and they're coming out <laughs> all the time. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? What are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? Oh, man, I'm looking forward to Action Comics number uh, 1044, as well as Ghost Cage number three, and then Hellboy and BPRD Old Man Whitey number one, which isn't the real title. Not old that. Man Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Old Man Whittier, I believe. Whittier. Oh, Whittier. a lot more sense. Oh, I'm looking forward to X Man number one from like I want to say in the late '90s, uh, mm. which was a great title. But I'm also looking forward to Iron Cat number one, continuing Jed McKay's oh, Black Cat uh, saga, which I'm a huge fan of and always uh, satisfies. I'm looking forward to the variants number one from Marvel. This is by Gail oh. Simone and Phil Noto, and it's a new Jessica Great Jones team. book. So that should be a lot of fun. All of those books, except for X-Men number one, are going to be on our Stack yeah. podcast. Uh, Comes out Wednesday at 9 You sure it's Stack not going to be in there? It could be in there. It might we make it. Talk. I guess you got to tune talk. in. You have to tune in and have five of your friends tune in and then rate it five stars to see what happens. Oh, wow. But like that is it for this week's shoe. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Kevin Scott for coming on. Don't forget to check out The Ward yep. from Dark Horse Comics. Also, Kyler Merrill. Check out Fletcher Cross on yeah. Kickstarter. Now, next week, we have a packed show. Joshua Kemble is going to be here to talk about Jacob's apartment. Chris Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepsen, students of Scott Snyder's class, are going to be here to talk about the anthology that they put together with other students from Scott Snyder's class. Also, Carol Howell, the director of the Foundling Museum, which has a comic book exhibit happening in the UK, is going to hop on. Probably will come on first because of the time difference, but we'll see what happens. Smart. Bunch of other podcasts you should check out. Let's hear it for the boys, our boys podcast every Friday. The Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast, a couple of episodes out. Riverdale After Dark, our oh, Riverdale. I mean, come on, dude. Come what on. Uh, I don't know what's coming out. Uh, Riverdale, Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast coming out Mondays after that show's hours. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast recapping Miss Marvel on Wednesdays. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast every Thursday, or you can get every episode right now for Patreon subscribers. Speaking of which, patreon.com slash comic book club to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Pez the Censors out. Later.